when we read the Christian scriptures, um, we believe that we're doing more than studying an ancient text. We believe that God speaks to us and is speaking to us through the scripture. So let's take a moment to silence our hearts and clear our minds so we can listen to God's word. Today's reading comes from one of the biographies of the life of Jesus, the Gospel of Luke. Luke writes, John's disciples informed him about all these things. John called two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord. They were to ask him, are you the one who is coming, or should we look for someone else? When they reached Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you. He asks, are you the one who is coming? Or should we look for someone else? Right then, Jesus healed many of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits, and he gave sight to a number of blind people. Then he replied to John's disciples, Go, report to John what you have seen and heard. Those who are blind are able to see. Those who are crippled now walk. People with skin diseases are cleansed. Those who are deaf now hear. Those who are dead are raised up, and good news is preached to the poor. Happy is anyone who doesn't stumble along the way because of me. Hi, I'm Katie. I'm one of the pastors here at Nova Church, and I'm going to pray for us as we study God's Word together. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would speak. We pray that you would help us to hear, to listen, and to receive from you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you the one, or should we keep looking? I do this thing uh, at night, right before I go to bed. Um, kids are finally asleep, uh, and, and it's been a day, usually. I can just go ahead and tell you it's usually been a day. Uh, and Chuck and I, we have three kids, three little boys. And at bedtime, we usually do like a divide and conquer of trying to get everyone asleep. And so once that happens, I'm just, I'm done. I'm ready just to like shut my eyes, collapse into bed, cannot wait, been waiting for this moment all day. And so as I collapse into my mattress, I like to do this thing in that moment. I like to go ahead and just pick up my phone and just put it right in front of my face, start scrolling a little bit. Sometimes social media, usually though, it's, it's the news. So end of the day, I just want to check in on how the world is doing. I just want to see how we're all doing today. And so I start on one news site, and I start scrolling, and I get um, sufficiently depressed. And so then I move on to the next uh, news site, kind of in my, my cycle. And I move on to the next one, and I'm sufficiently scared of everything. And so then I keep going, and I go through this process, and I go to all these different websites, and, and I get to that point where I'm like, I'm too tired to actually read a book, but apparently I'm not tired enough to actually close my eyes and, and go to sleep. And so I, I keep going. And at this point, I'm usually like on the BBC website. So I'm like, let's just see what the Brits, what they think. Let's see what, they, what their take is on everything. And, and here's what I find. Whatever the website, wherever I end up, here's, here's uh, my impression. Uh, it's really, really depressing. <laughs> Scrolling through the news, right? You've read it. <laughs> Incredibly depressing. Story after story of, of pain, of violence, of, of war, 
of people doing something awful, of, of leaders abusing power, of, of some storm coming or some economic crisis on the horizon. And then after all of that doom scrolling, as I call it, then I'm ready to go to bed. <laughs> then I'm just ready to peacefully fall asleep, right? No. Then I go back to social media and I let uh, this, these feelings of comparison <laughs> lull me to sleep. But we look around, we look around, we look around at our lives, we look around at our families, we look around at our world, and I think when we do that, not all the time, not every time, but certainly some of the time, we have some questions for God. When we look around, when we look at our lives and our family and our world, we have some questions for God. Where are you at? What are you doing? Why do you appear to be so slow at times? Why are you so quiet? Why do you feel hidden? How long, God? Why does evil seem to go unchecked? In our passage today, John the Baptist has some questions for Jesus. Here again, verses 18 and 19. We read, John's disciples informed him about all these things, all these things that Jesus was doing. And John called two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord. And they were to ask him, are you the one who is coming, or should we look for someone else? Are you the one, or should we look elsewhere? Are you the one? And when John says the one, who is the one that he's referring to? Well, in short, it's the Messiah. The Jewish people had this hope, this expectation that one day God was going to keep his word, that one day God was going to act, that the God who makes the promises is going to be the God who keeps his promises, that God is going to send the Messiah, the one anointed by God's spirit, the anointed king, the anointed king who would do what? Well, we go back to Luke 4. We're in this short sermon series called Are You the One? And we started the series a few weeks ago in Luke chapter 4. We have to go back to Luke chapter 4, and we read this. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been raised. On the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue, as he normally did, and he stood up to read. The synagogue assistant gave him the scroll from the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Are you the one who's going to fix all this? Are you the one who's going to set all of this right? Are you the one who's going to actually do it, actually proclaim good news for the poor and release and freedom for those who are oppressed? Are you the one, or should we keep looking. John sends two of his disciples to Jesus. He sends these two messengers to go ask, to go check this out. Now, why doesn't he go himself? Why doesn't he just go himself? Well, we read in the gospel of Matthew, in Matthew's account, we read this, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? John is sitting in prison. And how did he get there? Well, he spoke up, he spoke out, he spoke against Herod, the puppet ruler put in place, the puppet Jewish ruler put in place by Rome. And eventually, through a series of circumstances, Herod puts John in prison. 
And here's how one scholar puts it. John asked the question, should we be looking elsewhere? This doesn't look like the kingdom of heaven. This doesn't look like the kingdom of heaven. It still looks like the kingdom of Herod and above Herod of Rome. Sitting in prison, John raises this question to Jesus, are you the one or should we keep looking? And maybe for John, maybe it was even, you know, he's hearing these stories of what Jesus is doing. He's getting these reports of of the dead being raised to life, of, of the blind receiving their sight back. And John, maybe John's thinking, hey, what about me? I've been faithful. I'm your cousin. I baptize you, Jesus, and now here I am in prison. Maybe John's starting to wonder, hey, Jesus, if you did it there, like I heard about, could you do it here? If you did it then, could you do it now? If you did it for them, could you do it for me? Because I'm sitting here in prison, and freedom for prisoners was one of the things you said you were about. Sitting in prison, John raises this question to Jesus, are you the one, or should we keep looking? John's seeing what he's seen. When he baptized Jesus, when the dove descended, when the voice broke from heaven, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. John is the one who said, look, guys, look, Jesus, the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sins of the world. Is this what you were expecting? Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, right here as it is in heaven. Jesus, who said the kingdom of God, the life of heaven, is now breaking in. The life of heaven is now accessible through Jesus. So yeah, heads up, turn around, repent, and believe. Trust me. Well, Jesus, am I doing this right? Because I've been searching and waiting and wondering, are you the one? Because I thought life would be easier or simpler. I thought if I did A, you would do B, and I would get C. And I've been doing A, and I'm not seeing a lot of B or C. What do we do with our questions? Ignore them? Stuff them down? Feel bad that we have them? What did John do? He brought them to Jesus. In the company of others, he brought them to Jesus. That's what John did. That's what the psalmists do. We read, where are you at, God? Why have you forsaken me? How long, O Lord? What questions do you have for Jesus these days? Like honest from the gut, looking around, looking at our world, looking at your life, looking at our family, your family. What questions do you have for Jesus these days? God welcomes your honesty. And what does Jesus say in response to John? Listen carefully, pay attention, hear these words again, Luke 7, 21 and 22. Right then, Jesus healed many of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits, and he gave sight to a number of blind people. And then he replied to John's disciples, go, report to John what you've seen, what you've heard. Those who were blind are able to see. Those who were crippled now walk. People with skin diseases are cleansed. Those who were deaf now hear. Those who were dead are raised up. And good news is preached to the poor. John's disciples are standing there, and right before their eyes, life is breaking through. Hope is being restored. 
Systems of oppression are being challenged. The, the outsiders are finding their place. The presence of God is being known, is being encountered. It's echoes from the prophet Isaiah in places like Isaiah 29 and Isaiah 35. It's the hope of Isaiah that Jesus read from in Luke chapter 4, that Jesus read from and stood up and said, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. It's happening in Jesus and through Jesus. The life of heaven breaking through. There's this question I've been wrestling with all week, and I'm still wrestling with it, but it was time to get up here and preach, so here we are. (laughs) What keeps me from seeing Jesus? What keeps me from seeing the presence of Jesus right there? What keeps us from seeing? Because the risen Jesus by his Spirit is present, is at work. What keeps me from, from seeing I do this thing sometimes in the morning when I wake up and I put my contacts in and I, I sometimes accidentally put them in the wrong eye. Like I have a different prescription for my right eye and my left eye and I've been up all night doom scrolling and so I'm really tired when I get up in the morning. And sometimes I accidentally flip them, but I don't notice at first. And so I try to go about my day and things are off. I can't see properly. And if I don't put my contacts in at all, can't see anything. Like my driver's license says, corrective lenses. Like, don't let her drive. She can't see unless she has some help. What keeps us from seeing properly? From seeing Jesus and what Jesus is up to? How about our expectations? That's what tripped John the Baptist up. We look for God to act in powerful, attention-grabbing sort of ways. And we screen out the ways that God works in the small, the humble, the ordinary, the simple. Past success can blind us to God's presence. We expect God to do now what he did then. We expect God to do things in the same way now like he did then. And this can, can lead to disappointment, to disillusionment when we fail to see God work because it doesn't quite fit our paradigms. Our comfort, our privilege can blind us to God's work because we have all sorts of resources that we use to hold real dependence on God at bay. We can take our our opinions, our desires, and, and just project them on to God. And so instead of us being transformed into the image of Jesus, we start trying to transform Jesus into our image. And there's a technical term for that. It's called idolatry. And all throughout Scripture, God's people fall into it. We make a Jesus who looks like us and sounds like us and agrees with us and votes like us, A Jesus who never actually challenges us. A Jesus who always sides with us. There's really only one problem with doing that. It's not the real Jesus. What keeps us from seeing Jesus, from seeing Jesus' work in our lives, in our world? There's another one, it's a big one for me, busyness. Moving so fast, so furious. Didn't mean to quote the movie, but here we are. And we're always on the go and distractions. There's always something in front of my face. Maybe it's a screen. Maybe it's a to-do list. It's hard to see much else. Maybe it's our present circumstances. They're not what we thought they were going to be. 
that curveball, that, that left turn, and we're, and we're thrown. It's like the, the board game was there and all the pieces were there, and it feels like it just got thrown up in the air, and it's really hard to see. We should be careful and wise what we put in front of us. There are a lot of things that we could just kind of keep in front of us, keep our eyes locked on, and they're actually meant, they're designed to elicit fear and hatred. I'm thinking of my, my doom scrolling. There are things that we could just keep locked in front of us, and they're actually designed to elicit lust and greed, jealousy, to, to numb our hearts in some way. What keeps us from seeing Jesus? Are you the one, or should I keep looking? So my hope for us tonight is that this passage, as we study it together, it would drive us, it would move us to prayer, a really simple prayer tonight, give us eyes to see. It's praying, help me to see what I might otherwise miss. Give us light and give us sight. Wake us up to your presence. Professor and author Esau McCulley, he writes this, what is it then that Christianity offers? What do we have to give the world that it cannot acquire elsewhere? Or to press the point more sharply, why do we stick with Jesus when we are hungry, sick, lonely, or sad? Why do we continue on when we lift our eyes and see a church compromised in so many ways? And he goes on to write this, we have the Messiah. We have the Messiah who has come to give life to the world. What do we have? What do we offer? What do we cling to? It's not a political party. It's not a political leader. It's not an economic system. It's not a system of beliefs, a philosophy of ideas. It's Jesus. Why do we stick with Jesus when we're hungry or sick or lonely or sad, when I can't stop doom scrolling and I can't wrap my mind around over 40,000 dead in Turkey and Syria, and I can't wrap my mind around 71 mass shootings in the U.S. in 2023 alone? We have the Messiah who came to give life to the world and even more specifically to give his life for the sake of the world. Jesus who climbs up on the cross for our sake. Jesus who had no sin, who became sin on our behalf, that we might be made right with God, the God who gives of himself freely. He doesn't hold back without end, without measure, generously gives of himself for the sake of the world. Jesus is going to defy our expectations. And thank God. Jesus is going to challenge the way that we see. Will we let him? Will we consent to that good work that Jesus is doing in us? Not shielding our eyes from the pain around us, not turning away, not looking away, not trying to just power through. No, we look, we see, and we pray, give us eyes to see you, Jesus, right there right in the midst of it all. Give us eyes to see. Help us to see what we might otherwise miss. Our dream as a church, our vision, Nate talked about this a few minutes ago, is to see signs of Christ's renewal in central Denver and beyond. 
This belief, this hope, this conviction that Jesus is up to something, that Jesus is present and at work, that the Messiah who came to give his life for the sake of the world is bringing that life here and now in us and through us and around us. And so we keep praying, give us eyes to see, because we want to see, Jesus, what you're doing in the midst of our ordinary, everyday lives where you are bringing transformation. We are cultivating community. We are drawing people out of isolation and into the family of God, where the lonely are finding their place when the lonely are being put in families, where the hard work of reconciliation is actually being done through the power of the Spirit. Give us eyes to see where tables are being filled with people from different socioeconomic classes and ethnicities and languages all coming to this table in the kingdom of God. Give us eyes to see where justice is being secured, where the poor are being lifted up, where all these ways that Jesus like subverts and inverts our expectations, all the ways that that's being played out, where those who are oppressors are being brought to justice. Give us eyes to see where beauty is being created and cultivated and pursued, where beauty is actually awakening our souls to God, to the beautiful one. Give us eyes to see what you're doing in our own lives, where you're inviting us into healing and wholeness in our stories, where our past, where things from our families of origin, where maybe trauma we've gone through, wounds that we carry, where you are inviting us into the healing work, the the soothing safety of the love of God. Give us eyes to see the spiritual longings longings of our friends and neighbors. Give us eyes to see the people you've put right in front of us. Give us eyes to see how you're at work in their lives. Give us eyes to see opportunities to speak the name of Jesus. Give us eyes to see how you're inviting us to enjoy life with you, God. Give us eyes to see. You're going to have to help us see. She can't drive without some help. She can't see without some help. We're not going to be able to do this, God, without some help, without your spirit actually opening our eyes to see. Give us eyes to see outside of our limited perspective. Help us to see what you're up to in the global south, in the Middle East. Help us to see what you're up to in the black church in America, in churches and migrant communities in our country, in the majority world. Show us what you're doing, Jesus. And lead us into that. Show us what you're doing, Jesus. And show us how to join you there. Amen.